This After Dark podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Hi, Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys here, proud sponsor of the Universal After Dark podcast. How would you like to be among some of the first guests to stay at Universal's new property, the Aventura Hotel? Aventura opens this August and is another great option to consider when staying at Universal. You can get early entry benefits, transportation to and from all the parks, and have views of any of the three parks. At the end of a long day, have a drink in style on the new rooftop bar. Book a four-night stay with me to get 20% off your stay with rates as low as $116 per night along with a $50 food and drink credit. You must book by June 15th and travel dates are August 16th through December 20th. Mention this ad to stack your savings and get $25 off your deposit. Find me at WPMagicJourneys.com or any social media at WPMagicJourneys. Welcome to Universal After Dark, a Universal podcast that's not the same as all the others. Hi and welcome to this week's Universal After Dark. I'm your host, as usual, Amanda, aka Boston White, and I'm joined today by two of my all-time favourite spooky friends. So, I am joined by Luke. Ooh. Oh, that's that was me. so spooky. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Sick Nick. I am sick. <laughs> I, thought, I actually thought Luke was going to kind of go, because it's, it's one of the few names you can actually be spooky with. And I've already yeah. said more words than I thought I was going to do this entire podcast. So I'll shut up. <laughs> Well, the thing is, when whenever you come on a podcast and you're sick, in your head you're like, I'm just going to say yes every so often, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then you end up actually talking more than you've ever talked on any other podcast before. I've not I've not had any drugs yet, because I'm, I'm waiting to oh. go to bed to have the drugs, so um, <laughs> like, if I'd have had the drugs, then I probably would be like proper, I've only got a summer cold, I'll, I'll, I'll stop being a wuss and I'll just, I'll just plough on. But you're preparing for a super special run in a few days, though, aren't you? That is that is the problem, yeah. So this week, training is out the window. The, I've got to do a 5 and a 10K this weekend at Disneyland Paris. I know it's the wrong podcast. Both together. About no, you do. I, I did a 5K on a Friday night and a 10K on Saturday morning. I yeah. mean, that's still pretty good. Though. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, the, the most I've done so far is a 5. I, I haven't done a 10. I was hoping to do 10 this week. Um, and I just felt under the weather, so it just seems low point. But um, the good thing about those races is that um, they're not really timed, so you can kind of go them at your pace. A lot of people do those races and don't run a single step. 
they walk the entire route. So ah. the fact that I, you know, I know I can do five k, um, and also there's lots of characters to go and meet. So you're not you're never going to run the entire distance because you'd be stopping and waiting mm. to to meet characters. Um, so for those reasons, I'm not I'm not feeling too bad. Um, I, I'm sure I'll survive. P Dubs P Dabs is doing the five ten and a half marathon on the Sunday. So oh shit! Oof, How yeah. long is a half marathon? Uh, it, uh well, a full marathon's twenty six and twenty six point two. So I think it's thirteen point one. What? Something around that thirteen point one miles. Yeah, they um they. Oh, we talk about it on on Discover DLP this month because I wanted an idiot's guide to to running Disneyland Paris because I've never done it, um, and he's done it a few times. So that episode is actually going to be on a Diz After Dark feed. I've just decided this evening that's going out there as well. Um, yeah. But um, but on that he talks about like the routes because the five and ten they will be in the parks. They'll be across uh-huh. the two theme parks, but the half marathon obviously because it's so much longer. Um, that actually goes out around the park into the actual countryside um, oh, wow. as well. Um, so he says like, it's really nice. It's nice to see parts you wouldn't normally see. Um, but we do get to go around some backstage bits. I saw the, they've released the course maps today. So I'm really jazzed for it. Um, uh, yeah, I just need to just keep myself dosed up and drinking orange juice and eating spinach uh, <laughs> to get myself ready for Friday. But people haven't come on to listen to this episode to listen to some Essex Cockney wide boy talk about running Disneyland Paris. They've come to listen to you, Amanda, and you, Luke, talk about all things universal. They did indeed. But first, before we get to that, how we start every episode is with what we're drinking. And oh. I have a feeling that I'm going to be the only wild one today, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> so, Luke, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm actually drinking soda, Mountain Dew, go figure. In you my have... toothsome cup. Oh, do you have any secret alcohol in it? We won't tell anyone. No, I wish yes. that was that would be a better idea. You can <laughs> you can message me secretly saying yes, it's fine. Yeah, wait, don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's a vodka and a lemonade slash. Nick, what are you drinking? I just want to just ask the question to Luke. Actually, is that is the flavor that Mountain Dew called Go Figure? Because I know that Mountain Dew does have some weird names. No, no. Okay. Sorry, it's Sorry. called Voltage. Bzz. See, no, I know these like Code Red and. Yep. Wait, is that the one that we haven't? Because we don't sell regular Mountain Dew in our uh, shops in England, do we? We sell Mountain Dew one? Energy. Yeah. It, well, it, it. I think it's based uh, on the original Mountain Dew, but it's got energy like taurine or something in it. So it's more like an energy drink than just. It's it's standard Mountain Dew, but with like extra en- mm. energy boosting stuff. So I don't know if it's taurine or just extra caffeine. It might just be extra caffeine, but it's yeah. I don't think it's taurine because I think that we can drink it. Can we not drink taurine? No, because it comes from cows. Oh my god! I've been drinking Monster like. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, no. oh my god! <laughs> Oh no! Maybe, maybe I'm going to send you a website later that tells you maybe, all the weird hidden things that we can't. Eat. Maybe, maybe it's like artificial taurine or something from artificial balls. <laughs> um, although Oreos are vegan. Anyone listening? Um, they are. 
Oh, yeah, well, they are in England anyway. Um, I'm just, I should be drinking like a Lemzip or something or a hot toddy, but no, I'm just drinking cherry Pepsi Max because I've, I'm, I'm hot now. So I've got a bit of a sweat. <laughs> yeah, so it's just to calm down. Okay, well, I am drinking, as usual, a Bud Light. I've got two Bud Lights here today because Ooh. I couldn't decide whether we were going to nice. have Nice. Double fisting. Yeah. <laughs> Or I'm just going to be really, really drunk by the end of it. Who knows? I've already had one before we started recording. Luke, I, I think I think that might mean I think that might mean something else in England. <laughs> no, definitely not that. Okay. Anyway, Luke has been somewhere super exciting last weekend. Work. <laughs> Other than work, it was open weekends of Halloween Horror Nights. And I was so excited, mixed with a little bit jealous, mixed with crying a bit, mixed with um, happy and FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was a mixed bag of emotions, but mostly excited. <laughs> so I want to hear, and all of our listeners want to hear too, who haven't been out there yet, all about your experience at opening weekend. But before we get into the ins and outs of the houses and the scare zones... I want to talk a little bit about Stain Screen. Oh. Yeah. So, usually, <laughs> Stain Screen is what makes everyone's life a little bit easier. If they're already going to be in the park, you know, we've talked about it millions and majillions of times in this podcast before. You can stay in the park, you'll get sectioned off into a, an area that will lead you to a house before the park officially opens. And usually that's just a case of sitting in a bar, having a couple of drinks or sitting outside in the sun, chatting with your friends, nice and chill and getting to the house early. That was not the case this year, was it, Luke? No, not for the opening weekend, at least, because I think they only have two stain screams this year. What? Throughout the entire park. Yeah, because they used to have one by the Hello Kitty shop now, but I don't think they're doing it this year because... I know, yeah, at all because there's no house by Despicable Me this year. So that the first house that you'll see in the park is the closest one is the Halloween or where uh, the Shrek one where like Saw was and Krampus or was Krampus mm-hmm. there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's like the very front one, but they don't that doesn't open until six thirty until the actual event opens. So the oh. only stain screams were Finnegan's and Moe's. From what I know, I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think Diagon Alley is open, but they used to do that. But Moe's wasn't even open this weekend because they're doing the annual pass holder uh, early access thing. So it was all Finnegan's. Call Call me cynical, right? But if they're just reducing it down to two stay and scream areas and one is Mo and one is Finnegan's. That, you know, suggests to me they're just trying to get people drunk. <laughs> or buying beer, at least, if not drunk. Yeah. Well, the thing is, though, because they'd done this, and I do, I do honestly believe that them having the annual pass holder early entry at Mo's was a, a bad idea in the beginning, but I'm not universal, I don't make decisions. However... There were so many people 
And I think the Finnegan's area is always the busier area anyway. So I try to avoid that stay and scream because I feel like if I'm inside Finnegan's, it's packed. I'm not going to be able to sit anywhere. I'm going to be stood in a really tight crowd in a small bar. So I'd rather wait outside, but I also don't want to wait in the sun. But this year, every picture that I've seen has been that whole outside bit of Finnegan's has been packed leading out towards the smoking area in the middle of the New York section near Jimmy Fallon has been completely filled with people. So no one's even able to get drunk. You're just outside getting sweaty. Yeah, basically. Luckily, we were actually able to hang out in the smoking area because it wasn't too bad last time I went. But... <laughs> hang, on, hang on a second. <laughs> I think that could be the first time in history anyone's ever turned around and were like, yeah, luckily we could stand with all like, the smokers. Yeah, well, there's a whole bunch of room. It was either in the smoking area with nice, you know, benches. You could sit down, kind of cook in the heat, or you could be standing with everybody else, majorly cooking in the heat. Because and getting sweaty and then touching their sweat. Yeah, it's bad. Like, I can't, like, I would rather... And I'm such an advocate of stay and scream. And sometimes I feel like I shouldn't be talking about stay and scream so much because it's going to get to a point where everyone's going to do stay and scream and then it's not going to be stay and scream beneficial anymore. But because I love it so much because I can sit inside in the shade and just hang out. This uh, Going off of what I've seen this opening weekend, I'd rather just turn up at like 7.30. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I, I hope, but honest, I think the Moe's ones is going to, or the Simpsons stand stream is going to open up. I don't know if they're reopening it this weekend or next weekend. Well, so I know that there there's, will not, be that. Um, there's no annual pass holder event tomorrow or Thursday. Oh, perfect. Or Friday, but there is, it's either Friday and Saturday or Saturday and Sunday that there is again. So if you're going through the, through the week this week, you should be able to go to Moe's absolutely fine. However, if you're going on the weekend, you're probably not going to be able to. I heard the, um, the taco truck got incredibly busy. Is that because Moe's was closed, do you reckon? I don't... I didn't... Was it? I didn't see pictures of that. I, too, I just, too busy. It was just It was just what someone had written. Oh, so okay. I, yeah. I didn't see any pictures to confirm this. It was just... Someone said that I'd commented that the the food truck was really busy, um, mm. but it was quite busy when it we because when we saw you, Luke, last year, that's when me and Craig had been uh, hiding out. Um, we'd been hiding out at the the food truck. We, you know, because you can sit by the, yeah. uh, the lake. So we got some yeah. food and then and then sat by the lake. Um, but you know, it, it was. Busy, but not. I wouldn't have said like exceptionally busy. But the impression I got was that it was a lot busier than normal. And if they've closed Mo's, then that that would explain that could explain why because people would obviously go into Mo's as well. And if if Mo's is closed, well, I imagine that that would like if that food truck was busy, it would have been from all the pass holders because they were all kept in that area. Oh, so literally mm-hmm. that whole Springfield area was just pass holders only? It was just pass holders, yeah. oh, so they were all sorry. being held there. The and there were so was... many people. Yeah. Like, the entrance it was also like... back through Central Park. 
Yeah, that's where you had to walk through, check in all the tents over there, and then walk all the way over to uh, to like the taco truck area. Yeah. Great. The thing is, right? You know, we did. We only did. Did we do? No, we didn't do. I was gonna say I thought we did Hello Kitty, but I don't think we did. I think we did Finnegan's and Simpsons last year for Stay on Screen. We looked at doing uh, Hello Kitty, and we decided not to. Um, I think because they said like Saul was going to be the first house, and we're like, nah, I'm not bothered about seeing Saul till later on. So um, we did Finnegan's and and, and Simpsons. Um, I, I think I think having a third option is good. I think the problem with the Hello Kitty area is there's nothing really for you to do. Is there? Yeah. Like Finnegan's is a bar, Moe's is a bar, and there's a food truck. But at Hello Kitty, there's not really anything there for you to do. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that, as well, it's quite near the the entrance to the park, isn't it? So yeah, I, I suppose the other the other problem is you know maybe having stay on the screen there is too close to the entrance, especially considering this this year does appear already to be busier than than previous years. Hmm. I feel like the only other real option that they'd have, if they wanted to kind of do something in the middle, would be to do something in the San Francisco area and maybe have a stay and scream area in like Richterberger or around that area. Because I know that they have a bar on um, on the pier, like the Lombards, the pier that's next to Lombards. They have like a pop-up bar there. Um, they could have a stay scream area on that whole pier area, I guess. And then that could lead down to something. I know it's a little bit further away, but to things like Carnival Graveyard and Poltergeist. Well, that's where um, uh, Finnegan's leads to Poltergeist. Does it? Yeah. Finnegan, you can either go to Stranger Things or Poltergeist. Those are the two that, the two houses that... They send you out to first, and you can get in line for Scary Tales or Carnival Graveyard, but they don't open till six thirty. I think they don't open till the park actually opens. Okay, so then when when people were being let out because this was an awful lot of people, was everybody just going to Stranger Things, or were some people going off to Poltergeist on opening night? On opening night, just about everybody went to Stranger Things. That was we waited about an hour and a half, and that was with Stay and Scream. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how many people went to Poltergeist, but the line from for Stranger Things was all the way backed up to Jimmy Fallon entrance. Yeah. Okay, so then obviously that would have had a knock-on effect on the rest of your night, then I'm guessing, because when we've done Stay and Scream, and just using last year as an example, if we'd do Stay and Scream at Moe's, we'd go and do Blumhouse and Scarecrow and Hive first mm-hmm. and we'd get all of those three done before the park could even open mm-hmm. so if you've only done one house and the park's already open by the time you've got out of that then obviously when you're out people and you're at the front of the park then so all these people are flooded in yeah so then that would mean that all the wait times would already be high by the time you'd get out yeah that's basically exactly what happened by the time we got to the back of the park everything was just like 45 plus I mean, so. I don't, like, sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit spoiled when it comes to lines, but there was times last year when we waited 45 minutes plus for things, and we weren't really that bothered. 
Yeah, we were because we had to do that this year, and we would we would look at like a sixty minute, but like by the end of the night or by Saturday night, we would look at sixty minute and be like, we could do that. That's not bad. Mhm. So like, exactly. it's really not that bad once you get in line. So throughout the rest of the night, then, so once you'd done Strange Graham and you'd waited an hour and a half for Stranger Things, how was that queue for the rest of the night? I think it didn't go below seventy. Wow. Yeah. So I know I think... that there was a thing um, that I saw over Twitter where people were upset because they'd got in line for Stranger Things like maybe 30 minutes before closing. And basically, scare actors do 45-minute sets. So they'll work for 45 minutes and then cast B will come and then they'll do 45 minutes and they'll switch out throughout the night. So... If you're in the last set and there's people still in line, you don't have to stay longer if you're a scare actor, but you'll get paid if you do stay longer. But obviously you don't know how long you're going to have to stay for. So people had got in line and then at a certain point, the ops team were like, okay, we're shutting the line down now. So then all of the people that were still in line had gone and waited in line at guest services instead to complain. Nice. And I just feel like, maybe this is just me, I don't know, but I've never been one of these people who are like, okay, well, and it's the same with shops, when shops are closing. If it's five 5.25, I'm not going to run in to yeah. a shop and try and go shopping if I know it's going to close in five minutes. I wouldn't get in line for something that stays maybe an hour-long wait if I knew that the park was going to be closing in 30 minutes. Exactly. <sighs> well, look. The way the way I look at it um, is that it's up to like the people running the house, the people running the queues, to turn around and say, um, you know, this is where the line ends. Yeah, I agree. So the thing is, if they have turned around to people and gone right, no more after this lot, I would be queuing up expecting to go in that house. Because you told yeah. me I'm, I'm, you know, the, the line is now closed, but I'm in the queue. So if they've turned around to people and said that, and then when the house is supposed to close or when the shift's over, everyone's walked out, I would be pissed. I would be. And that's not the cast, because at the end of the day, if the mm-hmm. cast haven't agreed to stay longer, and again, that comes down to the organisation of the event, Mm-hmm. So if they've, you know, if they've gone when their shift's over and there's no one to replace them, then that's not the cast fault. No, but exactly, that is I think it was a event. weird mixture of of bad decisions altogether. Yeah. Bad mm-hmm. decisions from the ops team letting people in the queue when they knew that was going to close. Bad decisions from guests knowing that the event's going to close in thirty minutes, but there's an hour long queue and you're at the end of the hour long queue and bad organization in general with that i mean the thing is like the, the other thing to consider as well is that i wasn't clock watching when i was at halloween horror nights so i you know i wouldn't have like gone oh i think the park closes in five minutes if there was a queue and i was being let in i'll just queue up i probably wouldn't even notice the time or the, the other the other thing as well is just because you advertise something is closing at one o'clock for example there have been instances where they've kept stuff open longer. 
this is not just universal this is just in general so the, the, the fact is if you are allowed to do something and then they change their mind that's on them that's not on the people mm-hmm. queuing up no one in that queue did anything wrong they did every, they they were under the belief based on what they were told or maybe not even actually being told but just being allowed to to do what they were doing not being not told yeah exactly so the onus isn't on them at all and the, the thing is I don't understand the thought process because if you knew that house is probably going to close at one as scheduled and you thought that was going to be the case and yet you know there's about 30 minutes worth of people queuing up for the thing, rather than make them even wait another five minutes, I would turn around and say, I'm really sorry, it's closing at one, you're not going to get in. Because what you Mm -hmm. instead do, you leave people queuing those people get angry, they go to guest services. They they probably, I mean, guest services, I saw a picture of guest services, it looked like queuing for a house. Yeah. You know, it was uh-huh. it was rammed. Why would you want to upset that many people? I, I just don't understand why you would want no. to do that. And the other thing as well is that, you know, similar to what me and Craig did last year, Simon was over there last weekend. Now, I'm not sure if Simon was there by himself. I think he was. I don't think he went with his wife. Um, I don't. I think Julie was there. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Lisa wasn't his own. Um, but regardless of that, he did exactly what me and Craig did, which was go for the weekend. And so the thing is, when you're going for the weekend, your time is precious, really precious for us if you're doing that. Now, not everybody that, that was there that night was as crazy as what, the things that we've done, but um, they might. Sorry about that. I had to sneeze. Um, Bless you. <laughs> thank you. Um, just to prove that I'm ill. Um, but the people that <laughs> were there, <laughs> for the people that were there on Friday, they may have been in town for the weekend. That might be their only weekend free when Universal Studios, uh, Universal Horror Nights is on. So. It doesn't matter if you are going to go back or not, or you've got the chance to go back or not. You can't look at it like that. You've got to treat everybody as, as equals. But the people that aren't able to go back, that's their, that's their event ruined. I agree with that, but I also feel like it. Universal have got to have known, and it's not very often, I'm, like, I'm just going to start off by saying it's not very often that I will say something negative about anything that's done at Universal. I'm usually all glitter and sunshine and rainbows with Universal because I love them. But I feel like you knew that this was going to be the most popular house. You knew that this was going to bring an awful lot more people to the event, specifically on opening night. So I feel like a wristband situation should have been in place mm. for Stray and Scream, specifically for Stranger Things, in the exact same way that they did it for the last show of Bill and Ted. Yeah. Or the last few shows of Bill and Ted. A limited amount of people should have been given a Stay and Scream wristband for Stranger Things only. And then a number of people are given a wristband for Poltergeist if they were going to do just those two houses in that area. Mm. So that it was split evenly. Rather than having Poltergeist open and maybe 10 people are going through it, but having an hour and a half queue just to get into the Stranger Things line. Yeah. And I, mean, I think it was crazy. All, all and I feel very sorry for the ops people. Yeah, yeah, because at the end of the day, whoever's making the decision about how the event's being run, it's a bit like when you go into a shop and you want to complain about something. 
the person you're dealing with generally isn't the person that's caused whatever grievance you've had, but they are the front, they're the first line of defence. So Mm -hmm. they are going to get it. Now, Amanda, I know you've worked in a similar kind of thing to what I've I've done before in the past as well. So you know what it's like dealing with customers and Uh you know how upset people can be. And I think if you come from that background, when I go and complain about something, I don't do it in the way that a lot of people do, i.e. I'm not particularly aggressive. I try and be more compassionate to get my point across because, you know, getting too emotional doesn't get you the results you want anyway. But the thing is, Universal should have turned around and gone, right, we anticipate the opening night is going to be the biggest opening night we've ever had because of Stranger Things. And this event is going to be bigger than we probably ever had because of Stranger Things. And so Mm -hmm. we need to go, right, we have got you employed until one o'clock. If we need to stay later, who's going to be able to stay past that cutoff until we've got the last few people in? Because the thing is, if, if they'd have organised that before the event had started and knew that they had people willing to stay an extra 20, 30 minutes, however long they needed to be there, in order to get that those people sorted out, they wouldn't have had yeah. this mess. It's when you no, decide that the on the night, is, it's too late. Yeah, but a lot of these scare actors absolutely love what they do. And a lot of them, like, when even like scare actor friends that I have will say they have absolutely no problem with staying later because one, they're getting paid for it anyway. And two, they're getting paid to do something that they absolutely adore doing. So why wouldn't they? They love it. And so I feel like it's not even that they would have had to stay for, you know, another maybe 30 or 45 minutes. I feel like there's a cut off when you're ending up staying for another hour on top of your 45 minute set and they limit it to 45 minutes for a reason. Mm. The whole thing could have been avoided if they just would have closed the line. And I think that's the most important thing. It's just, it's clearly bad organisation. And, you know, hopefully they've learned from that to make sure that it's not repeated. Because the problem is, if you, like, dip into the world too many times with that kind of thing, you're going to turn people off. You're going to give people such a bad experience that they're like, you know what, it's too busy, I'm not going to do that. It's like the... The issue Disney had with Mickey's Not So Scary and those opening nights when people were like, you have sold too many tickets. It's not fun. We can't do the stuff that you're can do. you supposed to be doing for the event and you're charging me an absolute bomb on top of my entry ticket to do it. And so although, you know, we've said before, Halloween Horror Nights, I think, is actually a very reasonably priced event for what you get, especially if you get, you know, a pass to do frequent nights. Um, I think it's very, very good value. But just because something's good value doesn't mean people are going to keep coming back if they're not going to have a good experience because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. It's not how cheap something is or how expensive something is. It's the experience you get. And if you're not having a good time, you're not going to go back. You can make it a free night. If you're not going to have a good time, people ain't going to come back. That's very true, and it's not very often that I'll feel put off by something at Halloween Horror Nights, but I was messaging our friend Tim a few days ago about his experience with Stranger Things, and I was like, honestly, I know that I've got an RIP tour booked for my last night at the event, and if Stranger Things is in that situation every single night, 
I am probably better off just doing it on the RIP tour because I know that I'm going to get into it and I'm going to get taken straight to the front of the line. And I don't want to feel like that, but at the same time, I I don't I don't mind waiting in line. That's not what my problem is. I'm fine with waiting in line. And if it's something that I really want to do, I know that I'm going to wait for an hour, an hour and a half. I've waited longer than that for American Horror Story. That's not my problem. My problem is the being corralled in a big group first mm-hmm. and then having to wait in a line for an hour and a half on top of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's reasonable, you know. Yeah. And I think the thing is, you're different to, you know, what, what I was talking about earlier about, you know, when you go for a crazy weekend, because you're, you know, if you're going for a crazy weekend, you're there for three or four nights. And that's it. So you've got to knock it out as quick as you can. When you're going multiple nights, if you don't do Stranger Things one night because the queue's an hour and a half, and you're like, well, I could do three houses in that time then that's your choice because you know you'll go back, you know, in a couple of days' time and you'll queue up for the same amount of time for Stranger Things, but you've done other houses. Mm-hmm. It's when you haven't got that luxury of time that that really plays a part. Now, Luke, did you know anyone, because you, you don't have a, um Express Pass, do you? No. So do you know anyone that did have an Express Pass over the opening weekend? No. Because it'd be interesting to see... I don't think I do. It'd be interesting to see how people um, coped with with that. Because, I mean, obviously you do get to the front of the the houses with having an express pass. Um, Well, I mean, it tends to be usually that you'll wait for half of the time with hmm. an express pass. So if it's an hour and a half queue, you're probably going to wait for about 45 minutes. But even that with express to me is... I don't want to say that I'd be angry that I'd pay the $100 for Express just because I'd had to wait that long for one house when I know that I'm going to wait 10 minutes for every other house with an Express. But I would feel I would feel a little bit disappointed. Yeah, but, but what if you didn't? Right? What if we are getting to a point in time with such a big IP like Stranger Things and that does happen? So you pay your $100 for your express pass for the night or you, you <laughs> bought a premium ticket which includes express right so you've, you've got it for multiple nights whatever but instead of what you would normally get with an express pass which is be able to do every house at least once and probably have enough time to go back and do other houses you want in the same time you didn't and you actually only managed to do four or five houses in a night because again you know, we're talking the difference between having that access over multiple nights and having that as a one-off. And, you know, a lot of people will buy an express pass for one night. Yeah, I mean, I've been in a situation before where I have desperately wanted to buy an express pass at, like, 9pm because it's been so busy and it's sold out. Yeah. I've had experiences where, you know, lines were, like, over two hours for pretty much everything. And I'd buy an express pass and I'd still wait 45 minutes to an hour for almost every house other mm. than like the the ones that maybe they weren't strongest of the year. But I felt like it was beneficial because I could still get some houses done at least because there's nothing worse. And I've been in this situation too. And 
maybe it is being a little bit spoiled because I can go for multiple nights where I've turned up at the event at maybe 7.30 and I've looked at every house being an hour and a half, like an hour to an hour and a half. And I've been like, well, I'm just going to do scare zones today because I'm not waiting in line for any of them. Yeah. But the, the problem is, is that if I'm paying $100 in tax for an express pass, I expect to be able to do that that event that night. Because mm-hmm. I'm paying, I'm paying, you know, because how much is, is an entry ticket? Let, let's say like $70, $80. I don't yeah. Remember, right? But let, let's say you paid $80. So your express pass on that, you're paying close to $200. You're, you're paying double to have the same experience. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm paying double, I expect to be able to do the event and get everything done. If yeah. I didn't and I think, get that honestly, done, I would be, I would be disappointed. Yeah, and I think that maybe this isn't something that Universal have had to think about before, mm. and it's something that you like you did just touch on then with Disney is that when will they say that enough people in the park is enough people? Well, when d- will they say that the event is sold out? I mean, I did see, um, and again, because I mean, it did look look very busy, and we've got Luke on. Uh, we're not letting get a word in edgeways who was actually there on the ground but you know I read multiple people on Twitter on Facebook turn around and say you know in their, in their opinion they felt that it was too they'd sold too many tickets on Friday now just like Disney um, Universal have a limit of what they can have in the park at any one time for mm-hmm. any event so they clearly didn't uh, reach that limit uh, because that's a law <laughs> they're not going to break the law um, but maybe they they need to consider how many tickets they can sell and let's be honest right if let's just say for argument's sake um, the limit they've got by law is 15,000 people right I've got no idea what it is right but let's say it's 15,000 people and they sold 13,000 tickets that night it's going to be really, really busy for everybody that's there to the point where they're going to feel like it's too busy, but it's yeah. not. Now, what Universal could do is go, right, we know for us to make enough money, uh, for us to be able to give a guest satisfaction, everything like that, we can only have 10,000 people a night at, at the event. Now, they've got to consider as well, you know, people that buy the passes, like frequent fear, rush of fear, all of that kind of stuff as well. This is it. Like, how could that be policed? Well, so what you do is you go, right, how many tickets have we sold? So let's just say for argument's sake, they sell 3,000 tickets Mm -hmm. of of those passes. Okay, right. So the limit we want on a night um, is is 10,000. And we know we've we've sold 3,000 tickets that are... Uh, multi-night passes. So that means at least 7,000 people a night we can sell tickets for. Now, and again, I, I, like this is all hypothetical numbers. I've got no idea what they need to do and you know, everything like this. All they've got to do is make enough money on the gate to make the event pay for itself. In fact, they don't even need to do that because everyone buys merchandise and drinks and food anyway. But... You know, let's just say it. So as long as they sell 7,000 tickets, 
they make profit every night. Now then what you do is if you limit the number of tickets, you can actually turn around and say, it's sold out. Now how many nights have you experienced in all your years of going to Universal Halloween Horror Nights that you've been on a night and it said it's sold out? Never for the actual event ever. Exactly. Right? I've never heard of it ever happening. And I'm sure at some point it must have happened on a very odd occasion. Mm -hmm. But generally it's not. Now, surely the anticipation would be ramped up and the need to buy tickets would be increased if you start turning around and saying, uh, selected dates are now sold out. Yeah. People would be going mad. What shit? I need to go and buy my tickets. I can't, I can't miss out. This is the hottest ticket in town. And, and what you've done is you've created that excitement. You've created that need for people to buy their tickets and you've created this whole kind of new um, experience about it. And what you've done as well is you've limited the amount of tickets so that you know everybody that goes there that night is going to have the best damn night they're going to have because it's not going to be too busy. Well, honestly, all this Stranger Things talk has stressed me out so much that I'm opening my third beer. <laughs> so, Luke, on that. was it worth the hour and a half? <laughs> Uh, in my opinion, no, not an hour and a half, but I would say if you're a huge fan of the show and it was your first time, yeah, go for it. That's just my opinion. Do whatever you want. I am a huge fan of the show. Yeah. So I would say definitely try to do stay and scream and definitely try to get that done first because yeah. (laughs) Bless you. Thank you. Now, Luke, there's one other thing to point out. When we talk about your experience of this event so far, you've only had one eye. Oh, yeah. That was tough in the houses. I could barely see because, I mean, I only have one eye and I already have, like, bad vision. So when you take out one of those eyes, it just, it was horrible. But it was still fun. Like, I could still see. And it made for some great scares. I bet. Yeah. In the Stranger Things house, actually, I was staring into, like, this, just into blackness, right? I couldn't see anything. (laughs) And where I was staring was a scare actor who triggered and scared the crap out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So what was was it like inside? Like, was it like going through season one? Was it a little bit different? Like, did they kind of put their own spin on it? Like, I have stayed house spoiler free and i've stayed academy of villains spoiler free i've seen all the scare zones but houses and academy of villains i haven't seen anything of so is it true to the season or is it a little bit different it i think it's definitely true to the season because you it starts you off basically the first scene of the season that's the first scene in the house is the first scene of the season and you just walk through the entire season getting scared by demogorgons that makes me so excited like this stranger things is something that i am very very excited about and that's why this whole crowd situation i like i knew that it was going to be the busiest house and i knew the waits would be long all the time i wasn't expecting everything that we had on even the weekends but i am genuinely very excited about this house so i do i would like to think that i'd do it before the rip tour yeah it's definitely a great house like when i was in the house i was I kind of forgot 
I was kind of in a house because it really, I was, when I saw Hopper, I was like, oh, crap, it's Hopper. Like, that's actually him. Oh, wow. <laughs> he looked, yeah, the, the guy playing Hopper, the, both, both of them, I think there were two, they both looked exactly like him. I've heard that quite a lot from people so far, is that the actors that they have in general in that house look very much like the characters. Mm-hmm. So that's that's cool. That's interesting. I like that. Because, you know, sometimes they try. It doesn't go so well. And I've seen the mannequin of Dustin that they have in the Hollywood house. Oh, good. <laughs> so I'm glad that we don't have that. Yeah. But it looks like... From from what people have been saying, it seems like it's going to be an amazing house. And when I think back to some house that we waited for last year, there was ones that we definitely waited over an hour for. Mm-hmm. Saw. So... Yeah, yeah, we waited Ugh. an awful long time for so Saw. <laughs> wasn't a good time. But we were trying to get out of the rain as well, so it was like, can't yeah. do better than stone. But <laughs> I feel like maybe the... like how impatient everybody was was going to be heightened because it was open at night. It was the first house that everybody was going to be going into. So that hour and a half would have felt like three hours. Yeah, I think that really did play a big part because we were all just grumpy and hot. And then by the time we got out, we are like, well, whatever, we're not worth the wait. But I'm definitely excited to go back into it with both my eyes <laughs> and hopefully not as grumpy. So you went... <laughs> For Friday and Saturday, did you just do it the one time over the two days? Yeah, yeah. Now, I have also seen that people have said that, and and it's not unusual, um, that Stranger Things has improved over the opening weekend. Okay, cool. Which is, yeah, which is fairly, you know, I, I think that's that's been true of other houses before as well, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. Still learning, you know, the, the tropes and everything like that. So, you know, hopefully that means a, a better experience. But I, I would say that um, I've seen the Hollywood version. Um, so I've seen bits of the Hollywood version. I've not seen a whole walkthrough. And um, what I've heard about the, the actors in Orlando is that we've definitely got the best actors or the best lookalikes in, in Orlando compared to what they've got in Hollywood. You know, I was talking to Ash about this yesterday and I was like, this is something that genuinely surprises me every year is that Hollywood is, it's it's got everything at its fingertips. Yeah. It's surrounded by people who want to go and be actors. You know, that's why you, you move to Hollywood. If you want to be successful and you want to be an actor or you're doing anything creative like that. So it always shocks me when I look at some of the props that they have or some of the actors that they have or even some of the, like, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with any of the house or anything at Hollywood because there's not, they all look really cool. But considering they have everything at their fingertips to use and utilise our houses, our facades, our actors, our props, everything in Orlando always looks like it's just kicked up a notch. Before we go back to Luke to tell us about his Sorry, actual like... experience and we're just <laughs> pretending that we're, we're just talking nonsense about what we haven't seen with our own eyes, or in Luke's case, I, um, <laughs> I just want to talk about Hollywood for a bit, okay? Because... Obviously, one of the big differences between Orlando and Hollywood is the fact that you can actually film in the houses in Hollywood. You can't do that in Orlando. So, Ooh, year on year, can I add something real quick? Go off uh-huh. of that. 
Sage recorded the entire Stranger Things house, and not a single employee yelled at her. Really? And I also had a whole bunch of other people that I heard that you were just recording in the houses, and they never got yelled at. So I don't know if it's different this year. I don't really want to try, but... Right. That's just weird. I've got a few thoughts on that, because someone actually messaged me today to ask me... They're like, hey, Amanda, like, are we allowed to film in houses now or something? Because the amount of videos on YouTube inside the houses is ridiculous. Like, I can't avoid spoilers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, honestly, no. Like, they're not letting you record in the houses. And I know that media on Friday night were allowed to. Yeah. So anyone that was there with a media pass could record. But I'd seen things recorded from team member preview. I've seen things recorded from Saturday and Sunday. And I, I know for definite that the rule hasn't changed. You still can't record in the houses. But I don't know why it's not being policed. Yeah. Because when you look at things like the Unmasking the Horror Tour, they're only letting you take pictures in certain parts of the houses. And some of the houses you can't take pictures in at all. And so if it was a case that anybody could record anywhere now, they wouldn't be enforcing that rule on Unmasking the Horror. And so I just don't understand why yeah, it's, it's, not, so weird. it's not being policed. I yeah. don't know whether it's like the new team members and the new to the role and they maybe just don't know how to approach that yet. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Or whether there's just been some confusion with all the media people recording. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, maybe they just were told that there's going to be people recording the houses and they were like, don't do anything about it because they're probably media. So I don't know. I have no idea. What theory. Whenever I've been before and had maybe someone who's got like a big YouTube channel or they're from another country and they have a big YouTube channel or they're doing like a news thing or something like that, they've always been led through the house in front of me by a team member who'll be like carrying a light and then they'll be filming behind but yeah. I've never seen anybody just be able to film. Mm-hmm. So weird. It makes me nervous because I feel yeah. like if I like I saw people last year who were Snapchatting through the house in front of me, and I was like, okay, I don't want to be behind them. One because they've got a flash going off every so often. I can see the screen on the phone, so that's distracting me going through the house. So I'm just going to let people go in front of me. Yeah, I'm not. I've got to say, I'm not a fan of it myself in in terms of that like if you're stuck behind someone doing it because to me it's the same etiquette as going to see a film at the cinema uh Mm -hmm. i went to see um the predator last week don't bother and somebody Uh there. what (laughs) that's my quick review we might talk about it later um but when uh, at certain points during the film like this person kept getting their phone out and like although it was not in my direct vision. It was kind of just across from me. Like I, I was sitting at the edge end of an aisle where the stairs were and they were sitting on the other side of the stairs. Um, but it was really distracting me to the point where I thought I'm going to, have to say something in a minute if they keep doing this. Because, it, you know, you're in a dark cinema and you don't want to be distracted. And it was a free film. So even more reason I don't want to be distracted. Um, and I think the same etiquette should apply there. I think... And I've said this before, I think the houses are beautiful and I think that the big shame is that there's no lasting memory of these houses. You know, there's no, mm-hmm. uh, you know, proper photographs. 
I'd love the coffee table book I always go on about um, to kind of preserve that. But I also don't want to be, uh, you know, behind somebody that's got a light shining on them so they can film because mm-hmm. that just ruins the illusion as well. So yeah, Hollywood's a funny one for that. But um, what I've only looked at two houses from Hollywood. I looked at Trick or Treat and I looked at The First Purge. Um, I looked at The First Purge because I'd seen that film and so I wanted to see how they recreated it. Um, and Trick or Treat, just because I was intrigued how they did that compared to the Scare Zone last year. And the one thing that I was really shocked by at Hollywood, and again, going back to Amanda's point about, you know, that's where, you know, Hollywood is the land of film. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, you expect this kind of certain prestige. Is how many black cursing corridors they have. Mm-hmm. Now, I was, I was talking to uh, Craig about this yesterday because we were talking about our first thoughts and what we'd seen from the event. And I said, what is shocking to me? Like, I, I remember back to uh, American Horror Story last year. There was three different seasons of that show in one house. And at no point do I remember seeing some blank area when you transition from one season to another. Yeah. You, you, you know, you ended, you know, I think if I remember rightly, American Horror Stories, you walked through the doctor's lab and then you was in, um, Coven. Mm-hmm. And there was a sign as you walked into the door to lead you to Coven to say that that was what you was now approaching. But you literally went from season two to season three or four. I think Coven was three, wasn't it? Whatever. But do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you, there, was, there was a seamless transition. And in Hollywood, yep. the seamless transition seems to be black curtains to the next scene. And in exactly. Trick or Treat, they had the same exact scare set up the same exact way five times. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I was like, this is poor. And yeah. It just baffles me. The sets look lovely. Um, You know, there was bits, obviously bits from the scare zone last year. Um, And I thought, yeah, like the actual props they've got, pretty good. You know, Um, I've not seen Trick or Treat, but (laughs) I experienced the scare zone. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I've now got a version of it to watch. At least you're not lying. Yeah, what is that? (laughs) I love Trick or Treat. I love that. um, that, um, Sorry when it came out. I love that Johnny Johnny Pumpkinhead character. He's my favourite. What a beauty. But, but, you know. I just don't know why he's so mad. Yeah, why is he so angry all the time? But, um, you know, I went through the scare zone last year. So I I obviously know some of the bits that I'm expecting to see in the house. And those bits were, were really good. But I just thought the execution of the whole thing was, was quite poor. The first purge was, was better. Um, but again, you still had those sections where you were just in a black curtain. And I just thought, yeah. this just seems, it seems cheap. And I'm trying to figure out what it is. And the only thing, and I could be completely wrong, and unfortunately Chris isn't here to correct me tonight, is that Hollywood they still obviously use the sound stages to film stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And in, in Florida, generally, they don't film that much there anymore. You know, you get the odd thing like they do or no deal the other week. You sometimes get the wrestling come back there, but I mean, that is very, very rare. I can't remember the last time they've, they've gone back to Universal to film wrestling. But it must be a few years. Um, but most of the sales stages are empty. And so the only thing I can imagine is that because they might need to use the sales stages, they have to be careful about what they do in them. I don't know, but, because I know like a few of them will be like external. Because I've seen quite a few videos in the past where these structures that they'd build wouldn't have roofs on them. Right. So if you were going through in the daytime, it'd be like kind of sheeting that was like on top. Yeah. So it was still bright inside. Yeah. You're walking through. So it's like, it's, it's not scary because it's still really light. Yeah. And they can't play with any lighting because they've got the daylight coming through. And I always wondered why a park that would have access to such cool props and all of these fantastic artists and things like that would build something so, so temporary. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is like, even that comparison, like I saw the uh, Jack Nicholson dummy from Hollywood, you know, the one that was kind of frozen the ice Spoiler alert to the almost forty-year-old Shining film. If you if you haven't seen it, um, but they had like a similar dummy in both Orlando and Hollywood, and yet the one in Orlando I think had quite a good likeness of Jack Nicholson. The one in Hollywood mm-hmm. looked appalling. Looked like a it's, shop mannequin. It's crazy to me. Like I, I've seen things in Hollywood before that I've been like, wow, I wish we had that at ours. And never to replace anything at our event because I always think that ours has done so fantastically well. But things like the Krampus house, like everyone who listens to this podcast and you guys still know that I love Krampus and I loved our Krampus house. But there was elements of the Hollywood Krampus house that I was like, well, I wish that we had that in ours as well, like on top of what we've already got. Because theirs was just a little bit different. Mm. But then a lot of the things that I see from there, I'm like, okay, well, I definitely preferred ours. But then they often do things that we don't get at all. So things like the classic monsters, like we don't have that this year. No. So to me, I would like to go out to Hollywood to see that. Yeah, and I, you know what? I'm sure when you're there, you're just still enjoying it. You know, that's the critical, being able to look at it from a different perspective and go that doesn't look as well done. Um, that's not to take away the things they do well. So like, you know, the first purge, I didn't think was a scary film. I think the concept of the purge is scary. Um, in terms of like, you know, what the world is looking like nowadays, we're getting ever and ever closer to a purge situation. Um, but I don't actually find the films that scary. Um, I don't think the house was, you know, it's not, not going to win an award for the scariest house, but I think the way they did it made it more effective than the film. And it had some good effects in there. I'm not going to mm-hmm. spoil it for people that are, are going to go to Hollywood because there were some good bits in there. But um, I just think on the whole, I, I was just disappointed in the, the overall execution of it. Um, I, I just think we're quite lucky with the Orlando um, houses they seem to have got a a better way of of filling those houses up 
without using that cheap black curtain tactics. I mean, you know what? The only time I can remember curtains like that, American Horror Stories. And that, w- and that was get, get queuing up to go into the house. Yeah, that was outside. Wasn't that, it? that wasn't like part. Outside of the actual yeah, house. that wasn't part of the the house itself. That was in the queue getting into the house. That was where the black curtains were. And that that's was where when the black we got faked out. Like, hey, we're at the front of the queue. Oh wait, no, we're not. We still got a queue more inside. <laughs> it was so dark in there as well. You had no idea. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just like you say. I think some of the house concepts they've got this year spot on. Seem really, really good. Um, it's just the execution just doesn't seem to be strong. And I, w- I wonder if it's because it's not as popular an event. I don't know, because I do think that it's definitely very, very popular. Yeah, but I mean, is it more popular than Orlando? I, 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 I can't know. see that it is. I don't know if it's popular as people returning as often as as people do with Orlando. Yeah. But... I mean, it, it tends to be a lot of celebrities will go to the Hollywood event. And a lot of... So this week we had the cast of Stranger Things walked through the Hollywood house. Yeah. And that tends to be something that happens every year with Hollywood. So like Slash walked through his Universal Monsters house. And that's not something that we tend to really get in Orlando and when we do it's not really publicised very much and you know we've had you know Ellen normally does a walk for a house doesn't she mm-hmm. to show on a show I don't know whether they're doing it this year I'd imagine that they are um, and that's because people are based out there so it's it's obviously easy or easier to get people out there mm-hmm. to, to do that stuff um, than it would be for them to go to, to Florida but you know, again, I mean, to get the Castle Stranger Things there, they must have had to have closed, you know, the queues off for quite a while to let people do that, you know, to let them go in there and film it and take photos and all that. It must have taken quite a bit of time. Can you imagine if they did that in Orlando? I know. It, like, <sighs> everyone would be at guest services. So, so that's probably what I can't do I want to doing. meet them. <laughs> They're not part of the attraction. But that's probably why. That's probably why I do it at Hollywood as well, because it's not as busy. So they can get probably. away with doing it. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, Luke, what did you do next after Stranger Things? I think we went straight to Killer Clowns from Outer Space Scare Zone. Oh. Which I think this is going to be what the best scare zone this year. So far it is. I've, the way people amazing. are talking about it, it's the best scare zone ever. Mm. That's how I feel, honestly. Like, I love Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and Josh always thinks that I'm so stupid because, like, oh my god, my original clowning again. <laughs> but then for days, all again. you'll hear him singing is the Killer Clowns theme song. Killer and Clowns. He never watches the whole film altogether, he just watches bits of it, and he's always like, oh my god, I've got the song stuck in my head now. <laughs> and I'm like, well, a good boyfriend would learn it on guitar and play it to me, but clearly you're not a good boyfriend. But. I really, really love it, and I think that I probably will spend an awful lot of time in the scare zone because I think it's just fun. Yeah. And I and think that's why everybody loves it so much, too. That song will get stuck in your head, just yeah. to let you know. Play yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely one of the most fun scare zones I've ever been in. Really? Yeah, it's just it's just fun. 
And you're still kind of creeped out because, you know, killer clowns from outer space. Well, <laughs> I haven't seen, yes, many people showing the cotton candy. No. In videos. I've seen there... photos of it, but I've not seen videos of it. Yeah, I think there's like a couple, but there's not too, too many out. And what are the projections like? Because I haven't seen anybody show the projections either. Oh, they do the shadow puppets on the building. And what about the... I'd heard that they do the tents, like they, they'll they do a projection of the tent lifting off. I have not seen that, but that sounds freaking awesome. Oh, really? <laughs> so apparently they're going to use the, the projections that they use for cinematic celebration and like to do the shadow puppets as well. But they'll project the, the facade of the tent spaceship and then they'll do a little show of it taken off like every what? 30 minutes-ish. I'm going to so, keep my eye out for that tomorrow. Yeah, that is your thing, your homework <laughs> for tomorrow is to get some video evidence of this. <laughs> Shut up, Nick. <laughs> you said it, mate. I'm, I'm just... I'm just a keep my one eye out. <laughs> Luke was no, I don't need to wear it tomorrow. Thank God. Oh, oh you, please wear it anyway. You looked, you, it did look cool, Luke. It did look cool. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It did. Uh, he facetimed me, and I was like, "You look so cute." <laughs> yeah, I couldn't see. I couldn't see you on the video. Like, obviously, Luke put that he was speaking to you on Facebook. Oh yeah, you couldn't see Amanda on the video. But yeah, uh, I was emotional. I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> pumpkins everywhere!" Oh my god, all my friends. So, Luke, what was the what was the next house you went into? Seeds of extinction. Oh. That was. That house was very, very good. I didn't jump too much. Well, the first time, I still couldn't really see. It was still kind of day out, so kind of going from the sun to the darkness. But I've been through that house twice so far, and I, I really enjoy it. It's not – it hasn't really stood out, but it's good. It's good. I've heard very, very good things about it. I think that when it was announced, people were like, oh my god yes this is going to be amazing and then people started to receive I think it was an annual pass holder leaflet maybe and it had some of the the mask or the like cowl designs Mm -hmm. that were going to be inside the house on it as like a sneak peek and then people were like oh no but (laughs) I was like oh yes like that looks so cool yeah and so I think it kind of dropped in people's list and I think it was a mixture of that and that the houses this year look and sound so strong. That was hard to make a list anyway. But after opening weekend, I saw that shoot right up to the top or like around the top of people's lists. Whoa. I know. I wouldn't and put I, it, I'd put it in my top six, maybe. Really? Top six or top five, yeah. So I've seen people saying as well about how there's a lot of cool Easter eggs in the house, which people who listen to this and will watch YouTube videos and, and the like will already know about these Easter eggs that are in there. But one of the the strangest things about this house is that it relies entirely on alien type or plant type costumes. So there's no real like human Mm-hmm. scares in there it's all kind of wall scares or bush scares or yeah. things like that 
how how did that affect it? It definitely made for some good scares because you. I remember even going through the second time, I'd be looking where I remember a scare actor was, and you couldn't even see them because they just blend in so well. So, and yeah, there's definitely my Matt and Megan. They got because I was behind them watching them get scared, and whew, they didn't see them either. <laughs> really? Yeah. I've heard quite a few people too compare this to Scarecrow. Mm. And scariness. Mm. Luke feels like no. Uh, I would say maybe. Maybe if I had a good run. Maybe that's Okay, it. so out of the two so far, you feel like no. Yeah, yeah. I'd say I'd say Scarecrow okay, is definitely fair. better. Okay, so then after Seeds, what did you go and do then? I think we did Trick or Treat. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. considering yeah, <laughs> what we said earlier about Trick or Treat being the number one scare zone of last year and probably one of the highest rated scare zones that we've ever had, how did it compare in house form? So, for the first night, this was my number one house. After oh, going really? After going through this, it was, yeah, it was amazing. I thought it was one of their strongest houses this year, for sure. Faux show. Right, can yes. I just, I, I just need to ask a question about this, right? Because I thought Trick or Treat is a scare zone. I thought the props were good, uh, the costumes were good. Again, not that familiar with the film because I haven't seen it, but I thought it was quite good. I didn't find it scary at all. So why is it so like revealed revered as, as this amazing scare zone i think that because it was so beautiful for one right i think it was beautifully lit i think that the pumpkins they had pumpkins and trees before they've got pumpkins and trees this year pumpkins and trees is not a new thing but it just added like a whole extra level of magic to it i felt and i think that people I think Trick or Treat's a weird film, and I was trying to, like, I know, I I keep bringing Josh up on this episode, but it's because I've been talking to him strangely quite a lot today about this event, because he doesn't like scary things, he doesn't like Halloween Horror Nights, he doesn't like horror films, but he will quite often watch Trick or Treat with me, and I think that is the same for a lot of people who maybe aren't super, super into scary things, but like, just like, kind of a little tinge of horror. Right, because yeah. it's on the softer side of yeah, and it's not like it's a it's not a comedy kind of horror like something like Killer Clowns might be. It is just like a soft a soft horror. Sam's adorable. Mm-hmm. The costumes Ooh. that were in the zone were, I'd say, the majority of them were the school bus kids, which again are kind of cutesy horror characters because they're wearing kind of traditional Halloween costumes, and I think. I think that's what it was. I think it was like a traditional... If you took Trick or Treat the film out of it completely, it could have been a generic, traditional Halloween Trick or Treating zone and it still would have been just as beautiful as it was. Okay. And I think that's what it is. And I think, again, Trick or Treat's a strange film in that when it first came out, it wasn't very popular. I think even... Probably a lot of people, when it was announced last year, hadn't ever seen Trick or Treat. I think it's kind of a, it was anyway, I think kind of a cult, Mm. soft horror film. 
And I think people will enjoy this house purely based off of last year. And I think as well, I know a lot of people who will come to Horror Nights and they won't go through the houses. They'll just go through the scare zones. And they'll even try to avoid the scare zones too, honestly. They just want to be there to be with their friends. Mm -hmm. But they super enjoyed Trick or Treat. Yeah, I think the house, it's kind of fun like going back to the property because, you know, you had so much fun last year and you come back and now it's even better because it's a house. So how was, I know that I don't want to spoil anything, but I think that I've already spoken this in the podcast before about how we know that the quarry scene is going to be in there because I'd seen some artwork and I'd spoken about it on the podcast anyway. How was that scene? Because that's the one that I'm the most excited about seeing. That's my favorite scene of the whole film. Yeah, it was crazy being in there. It was, it's super huge. From what I remember, it was on my left side. Really? So, you know, eye patch side. But yeah, <laughs> I remember being in there. I, was, I looked up. I was like, oh, crap. That was my words exactly. <laughs> wow. So do we see the, a lot of the school bus kids in there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do we see Rhonda? Which one's that? Rhonda is the the witch girl. I still don't know who that is. <laughs> so you know, um, what? So in the quarry scene, when they all go down, and there's a girl that's dressed like a witch, and she has all oh, the outside her house. Yeah. And they try and trick her. I don't think so. I didn't. I didn't see her, but she could be in there. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. doubt it. Okay, I, so what was your favorite bit of trick or treat then? Ooh. Oh, the werewolf part. Although that's not my favorite scene in the movie. Really? Because I, lo- I think that's like a lot of boys' favorite scene in the movie. It's not. I'm, it's, that's <laughs> honestly my least favorite scene. I'd rather watch Sam fight the old man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but that scene was awesome. Do you want to hear a slight spoiler? Go for it. They reused an American werewolf puppet. Oh, Animatronic. Really? Yeah, and it's amazing. So that, I mean, that's my favorite scene in the house, just because of that. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Other hey, Jordan, that... unmasking the horror tour? I'll take that as a yes. Uh... <laughs> okay, so after I... Trick or Treat, what did you do? Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. I'll just go rewatch the video. I think the next house we did, Scary Tales. That was the last house of the night that we did. Okay, so I have heard such good things about Scary Tales. Yes, this house, it was it got me, it scared the crap out of me, and it made me smile. And that's what you want in really? a house, right? <laughs> it, was, it was really, really good. Honestly, I've, like, even since I posted my video where I did, like, a hype list, I had people messaging me, like, okay, like, don't say that we said anything, but, like, Scary Tales is not going to be near the bottom for you after you've been. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, what? And the only thing that I've seen from any house at all is one little scene from Scary Tales. And I almost cried. Is it the big, the, the facade? No. What scene? I'm going to message yes because I don't want to oh, okay. it anybody. <laughs> but... It was beautiful, and I was like, oh, I'm so freaking sad that I've seen this, but also so happy because it's <laughs> so gorgeous, and I am so excited about, like, if I could redo my hype list now, this would be very much near the top. Oh, 
there there also was a very delicious smell in the house that I had to just go get cinnamon. You know. Oh really? City walk, yeah, because it was like a cinnamon cinnamon smell to me. That's all I smelled. I was like, oh man, cinnamon is right outside. Oh, I do love some cinnamon smell. Okay, so when the creative team did the round table they said that there was a scene in this house called splatter which is the humpty dumpty scene and that would be some not very nice smells in that area i didn't smell anything too bad Uh, really yeah i don't remember uh i'm trying to think because i do remember that scene pretty well i was like okay this is weird (laughs) but yeah i don't I react badly to smells in houses like things like The Exorcist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Dollhouse of the Damned. Like those smells, like I can, st- I feel like I can still smell Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> and so when they were talking about that particular section in the in the round table, I was like, oh no, <laughs> because I can't think of anything worse than egg smell. Egg. I just had an egg salad sandwich earlier. Well, I mean, <laughs> but you're probably not surrounded by like a hundred yeah. sweaty people. Makes <laughs> 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 that egg smell. But other than that, I've heard such good things, so I'm very, very, very excited about this house. If this is near. Um, this is near Poltergeist too, isn't it? Yeah, right next door. They're neighbors. Oh, like, I wish that they just do the the stain scream so that if like. Now that we don't have that house in the beginning, if they could just section off so that maybe Scary Tales and Carnival would open and Poltergeist and Stranger Things would open. Yeah. Well, what they do is you can still go through... You can still go wait in line for Carnival and Scary Tales from Stain Screen, but you just got to wait until they actually open the house officially with the event. Right. So what time does Halloween Horror Nights officially open at? 6.30. Right, okay. So you're still getting there 30 minutes beforehand. Yeah. That's well, nice. about about 45 minutes, because sometimes they release it around 5.45. Mm. That's what they did the past two days. Oh, really? Opening weekend. Yeah, 5.45 was the release time. Okay, so after Scary Tales, what did you do? I think we left, but we did hit all the scare zones throughout the night. So I think that was when we went through the Harvest. Because we had to go out that way, you know, straight okay. through. Talk to me about the harvest because I'm very confused about it. Okay, so yeah, I was confused about this too. I thought it was gonna be like last year's Altars of Horror, where they had each little house sectioned off in the scare zone, and they had each different characters from the house scaring uh-huh. you. They have like the same setup this year. They have trick or treat Halloween four showing all the houses and stuff. But no actual uh, characters. It's just basically Scarecrow, the Reaping, into a scare zone. This baffles and also scares me. So I'd heard a rumor about this and how it was going to be Scarecrows. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Because it's a harvest. So I'm fully expecting there to be (laughs) Scarecrows in the scare zone. But then... When people are like, okay, no, actually, it's going to be, like, sections for each of the houses. And I was like, okay, so it's not going to be Scarecrows? And they're like, no, 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 it's going to be sections of houses, like Halts of Horror. And I was like, okay, 
So then the props started coming out, and then I started hearing more people again saying, no, it's actually going to be Scarecrow still. And I was like, what? This doesn't make any sense. So then Ash sends me a message like, girl, I'm just saying it's going to be Scarecrow's, and they've also walled off the pathways either side, so you can't escape. Oh, yep. They hide in those. Fuck you can't really... <laughs> <laughs> like I'm scared. And they but have a I whole bunch of cousin ants. Oh, the hay people. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't understand it though. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's we. I don't. The only thing that if they just okay, the only thing that doesn't make sense is having the properties. Yeah, there take them be... out. Put them yeah. in Square Act Design in. Yeah. <sighs> wow. That would make more sense. Like, are you honestly, part of the creative team? Um, I mean, I'm available, guys. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't mind moving to Florida. If you're going to twist my arm, I'll do it. But I just, I feel like if this was going to be a true harvest scare zone, in, in my head, when it was first announced, I was like, okay, going to be scarecrows, going to be lots of hay. I was expecting, like, big, like, wheelbarrows filled with hay and pumpkins and corn and all kind of harvesty shit. And... That's just what it was to me. I didn't ever think anything different. But if you're going to have all the properties lined up there, just take them out. They don't need to be there. Yeah. I'm going to really, leave a post-it just... note on it. Like, put these in the character dining guys. Do yourselves a favor. <laughs> okay, so how about Twisted Tradition? Because this is another one that I'm intrigued about. Twisted, blah, twisted Traditions is also... <laughs> One of my favorite ones. Okay. I really like it just because the characters they have are just really interesting looking. And they spread it out through all the way towards like the trees in front of Mel's Dine-In. So it's back to like that entire area is the scare zone now. Along with all of Central Park. So it's a much bigger scare zone because that's where they had the stage for Academy of Villains. So and now that's all where of they that. now have that church, which is yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. So it's, it's really fun. I was surprised when I saw that too. Like, that church <laughs> is delightful. It just oh, it's looks a church. so stunning. It's that a church. <laughs> and they <laughs> also have, like, 80s characters running around, like, trying to survive. They have a nerd with, like, a binder. They have a jock who has a Carrie Ohio high school jacket oh. on, which I thought that was pretty cool. And then they have a cheerleader and... Another, like, nerdy girl with a flashlight. Okay, so they are tying this into the 80s then? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, because that's something that I was wondering about, because I've seen, like, the pumpkin head people, and I've seen that gorgeous glowing, like, I'm a mixture of scared and in love with, because he's kind of has a little vibe of Scarecrow, but he's a pumpkin man, and so he's big and he's glowy and he's just stunning. I've seen him in there. And all the other pumpkin-headed people. And they all look amazing. But I hadn't seen anything too tired to the 80s. So that's good. I'm glad that they've got that. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're definitely going with more like a Night of the Living Dead vibe. Because oh. the pumpkin people walk around all slow, you know, like zombies. Ooh. That is yeah. exciting to me. Okay, yeah. so I'm really excited about that one. Okay, so how about Chucky? Because Chucky. I haven't seen much on this. I've seen the little show bit. I've seen like bits of that. I haven't seen really anything else from the zone. Yeah, it's it's fun. I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't say it's my favorite scare zone this year, but the characters in it are really cool because they're all toys. So you have the green army man walking around. You have two of the uh, what are those monkey in a barrel. You have a couple of those running around. What else? Cabbage Patch Kids, who are all bloody and have knives and stuff. Care Bears, who have sharp teeth and weapons. And then you got a whole bunch of just people in cult jackets, because, you know, it's the cult of Chucky. I've seen um, a big hairy man baby. Oh, yeah, him. He's quite the character. Yeah, just just a big man baby. It looks like something out of Dollhouse. Yeah, that's the kind of vibe that I got from that. Luke, um, if you could answer a question for me. I mean, obviously, I've seen all of the Charles play uh, films um, and even the animated series. Um, But I'm struggling to understand why um, Chucky is 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 like a talking doll. I I must have missed something they mentioned in one of the films once. I've got no idea. I'm going to come to your house and put you in a headlock. (laughs) (laughs) What? I'm ill. <laughs> Easier for me to give a nugget to if you're ill. <laughs> I've got to say, I'm not. I've, I've actually seen. Um, I saw your your video footage um, from the other day, Luke, um, and I think he looks pretty good. Um, it reminded me a bit of um, Chucky's insult emporium. Yes. Um, I mean it. it, it what what footage you did show, it did seem it was obviously tamer, and I think that was to be expected oh, yeah. because of the problems that surrounded that particular um, exhibit. But I, I thought, I mean, I, I don't know how they do the doll, but it looked quite impressive to me. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely much more tame. But I love, I love it. I want to go, I want to go get made fun of. I should I have done it with my eye ask, patch. Yeah, I was just oh. going to ask whether he said anything on your eye patch. <laughs> I'll wear it next time, just just so he can make fun of me. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> I, I want to see him say things about other people, but I don't want him to say anything about me because I'm sensitive. <laughs> Luke, have you got um, a green top and green like joggers or something? No. Oh, that's such a shame. Because <laughs> like, if you dressed all in green and wore your eye patch, he guaranteed he'd make some Monsters, Inc. jokes about you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, like bright green. I thought you were thinking like army green. Oh, look, let's, let's not oh, worry yeah. about c- colour tones. <laughs> if you're close enough. I l- there's nothing I like more than seeing, and it's normally women that do this for some strange reason, but to see a woman dressed up in blue dungarees wearing a yellow top. Because it doesn't have to be the exact yellow but as long as it's enough you look like a minion you are so you know you are it doesn't have to be exact you know and obviously it's better if they only have you know one one huge eye (laughs) in the middle of their head or googly eyes but um but no it looks it looks good i I think the the set looks good um so i think the doll because I was struck. Because obviously, I'm watching your footage of it. It is it is an actual doll, isn't it? It's not a a screen. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely yeah. a puppet. Yeah, uh, it, it looks it looks like a real Chucky. Oh yeah, it looks incredible. Yeah, I'm kind of sad that I haven't seen a Tiffany anywhere. She was at Food and oh. Wine the other week. 
<laughs> like <laughs> I'm kind of feeling like I'm just gonna pack my blonde wig and I'm just gonna do like a Tiffany bound <laughs> and no one can say anything because it could be my real hair for all they know. <laughs> and I did actually see people dressed up as Tiffy, Tiffany and Chucky last year, like for no reason. Oh. I also yeah. saw someone full on dressed like the crow, like full on face face, <laughs> and I was like, how? Did you get in like that? <laughs> this is my face, <laughs> sir. <laughs> That's what it's like. Okay, so did you try any of the new food selections? Because people have been going crazy about all this new food. No, not yet. But I want to because those egos look pretty freaking good. Well, our good friend Steve Manry sent me a picture of the fudge-dipped waffle on a stick. Oh, <laughs> said that it was delightful yeah that doesn't sound too bad like i'm not a fan of chocolate but i'm gonna try this because it looks gorge uh you're not a fan of chocolate what no wait, so wait, i mean wait, i'll wait. probably have like half of it and then you and james can have the other half of it i'm not gonna eat the whole thing but <laughs> everything that they've brought out looks good i also heard today that I don't know whether we spoke about this in the last episode about how twisted taters were not coming back this year they freaking are they are. I haven't. I still haven't tried those. Oh, what? I'm slacking. Right. Okay. So we're gonna try them together. Well, I've already had them, but I'll try them again. It's fine. Um, I was sad when I heard that they weren't gonna be there because I have a love hate relationship with them anyway. Considering <laughs> I can't have pizza fries because there is both sausage and pepperoni in it. Twisted taters is like my source of carby goodness when I'm drunk. <laughs> so when we heard they weren't coming back, I was a little bit heartbroken, but I heard today that they will, in fact, be back as early as next week, potentially. Sweet. I'm definitely going to have yes. to try those out. Okay, so out of everything that you've done so far, so what are the what are the houses that you oh, haven't done yet? I think you forgot one scare oh. zone. What? Which one? Yeah, 85. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> this one... Amazing? It's probably the best scare zone. I'd have to, I'd have to, other than Killer Clowns, these two are like you know battling it out at the top. Oh my god! Honestly, every video that I've seen, every picture that I've seen, I've been like, oh my god! I was listening to audio from it today while I was working yes. out, and they were playing. Nick, you'll know who sings "Jump." Van Halen. Or, Girls, yeah. No, not the Van Halen version. Girls Aloud did a cover of it. Oh, the Pointer Sisters. I'd sing it. Jump for my love. Jump <laughs> in. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love Girls Aloud. If we want to do, you know, yeah. If we want to do the Girls Aloud After Dark podcast, which sounds a lot more creepy than it actually is, I'm all for it. I, I, will, I will go down on my dying day still proclaiming that Biology is one of the greatest pop songs ever made. Debatable. However... <sighs> I was listening to audio from that scare zone and that was on. And honestly, I got to, you know, and you just hit a wall in your workout and you're like, I'm just, I'm fine. I can be fat. It's it's fine. I've accepted it. <laughs> and that song came on and I was like, yes, I'm going to be <laughs> so fit in this scare zone. <laughs> and I was so pumped for it. And I just, everything about it is amazing. I love how the guy that's on the stage and I was, I'm not going to lie. I was expecting a real band on the stage. But the guy who looks like Dee Schneider, amazing. Is that, is that the guy in the red jumper? Red he jumper has got giant frizzy blonde hair. Uh, and he's a mannequin. 
he's not real. He's a mannequin on the oh. on the rock band stage. Oh, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like they look so cool. All of the scare actors look like yes. There's Prince, amazing. <laughs> I, Michael I Jackson, him, and I don't know why I've got such a crush on this guy that's playing Prince because I haven't <laughs> even seen his whole face. He just does the same pose with everybody, and I'm like, I love him. <laughs> But they all look so good. They have a bunch of, you know, like Bon Jovi looking people. Oh my god, amazing. Yeah, it's it's definitely an awesome. But the only thing that was bad about this scare zone was the crowds. I don't know uh, what was up with it. Yeah, the, every just every time I would go in that scare zone, it would just be shoulder to shoulder people everywhere. I was like, what? What's going on? It's like the biggest scare zone. Well, that that's what I was just going to ask you because on paper, this scare zone takes up an awful lot of space. Mm-hmm. But does it utilize that space? Because in people's videos, all that I'm seeing is the area outside of the mummy with the ball drop stage and the rock band stage. I haven't seen anywhere else. Yeah, that's usually so far. That's just a been about where they're all just kind of huddled around but i feel like as the event goes on maybe they get more comfortable spreading around the entire mm-hmm. new york section like closer to louis because it does it goes all the way to louis it goes back by transformers in that alleyway over there oh really it's huge yeah but just none of them actually go back there ah. yeah so. so maybe you're right maybe they'll get a little bit more comfortable and they'll start knowing the role a little bit more yeah. and they will spread out but i'm super super excited about this area i loved vamp 55 and i'm not one of these people that was like vamp 55 is the best scare zone of life ever because it certainly wasn't it for it could have been amazing i think that it just didn't utilize the things in the zone as well as it could have it was still a very very good zone it just wasn't i'm not gonna hype up to be like the best scare zone in the world when i don't think that it was but I've always been very excited about the thought of having a Vamp 85. And it does look incredible. I think that they have done amazing things with it. And I can't wait to see it in real life. Oh, yes. Okay, so did you do Halloween or did you not do Halloween? No, I want to so bad. That's at the top of my most hype list because I love those houses. So I'm going to try to do it tomorrow. Yes. So you oh. haven't done that one. And you haven't done... Dead Exposure and Blumhouse 2. Those are the only three I haven't done. Okay. So they're what you're going to hopefully get done tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, so out of everything that you have done so far, house-wise, which is your favorite so far? Poltergeist. I know a lot of people will agree with me on this. Poltergeist is probably going to take the cake this year. So far, it's at the tippity-top of my house. House list. Really? It scared the crap out of me. Yeah, it was so good. I've heard quite a lot of people say that too, that they weren't really... Because basically, when you look at Poltergeist, and we spoke about this too, it's a very tame film for the majority mm-hmm. of it. But we knew that they were going to kind of flip it on its head a little bit and they were going to do stuff from the end of the film at the beginning of the house and they were going to take us to places that we didn't see in the film. So I'm hearing a lot of people say that this is actually a very, very terrifying house. Oh, yeah. When you go into that light, it's just, it's a whole different experience. It's terrifying. But it's so good. So good. I'm very, very excited. (laughs) 
Okay, so we haven't spoken about because I feel like we've done an awfully long episode for something that I thought was going to be actually pretty quick. Carnival Graveyard. Yes. Haven't I yet. love this house. It didn't scare me too much. We did get through it pretty fast, and I think some of the scares just didn't really, weren't like timed well, but it was awesome. They have a bunch of Easter eggs, too. You've probably seen the Dueling Dragon sign is in there. They have I mean. a run sign in there, and a whole bunch of guest-activated scares that Ashton pressed, and he got soaked. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, that, like, I just want to touch on that, getting soaked in the houses really quickly, because I've heard quite a lot of people say that in Carnival Graveyard and in Seeds of Extinction, mm-hmm. you get very, very wet. Yeah, Car- Carnival, I didn't get as wet as I did in Seeds, but Seeds is, like, more understandable, because you're in a greenhouse, Seeds, or not Seeds, plants, water, rain, you know. Like, I'm not, I'm not about that life, honestly. Like, I have a hard enough time in the Florida humidity <laughs> trying to tame my hair, which wants to be 80s <laughs> hair, but yeah. I don't let it be. If I step foot in the seeds of extinction and it's like a greenhouse, I'm going to come out looking literally like Nikki Six. That's going to be me. So I'm not looking forward to that, really. It, it is a good cool down, though. Well, I mean, there is that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so how about the one that's at the top of my list so far, which I've yet to see, Slaughter Cinema? Oh, this one was the second top of my list. So good. So good. Oh, really? Yes, this one was so much fun. Just because you, because you go through, I don't know how many actual movies you walk through, but you walk through so many different movies that they made up, and it's just because they show a little poster before you go through every scene. And it, it's really cool. It's definitely a different kind of house that I haven't been through. But one of my favorites. That's at the top top five for sure so oh, far. I'm so excited about this one. This is the one that I want to do first. So if I do stay in Scream at Moe's, are they going to let me into this one first? Yeah. yeah so the, yeah. the Moe's will go to Dead Exposure I think those back three houses. I'm not sure if it does all three, though. Dead Exposure, Blumhouse, and Slaughter Cinema. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so how are my cute little critters that are in Midnight Snacks? They were really cool. They have, like, a little, I don't know what to call it, like, piston thing for the critters. But the, I only saw one, and I think I missed a scare in that room. I think they got, like, a couple people in front of me, but then they didn't scare me. So that's all I saw, but they are pretty. They're pretty dang cute. You can cuddle them. They're adorable. <laughs> I just really, really, really want to buy one when the event's finished, and I'm like, please, 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 anybody, let me buy one. <laughs> and there's a there's a guy who I followed for a few years now called Doc, who does special effects makeup and kind of costume and creature designing, and he was on a show called Face Off, which is my all time favorite show which is um, where people kind of compete with special effects makeup. It's amazing. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely recommend watching it. It was also featured in a scare zone at Halloween. Oh, Halloween. Yeah. I want to say 2014. Yeah. yeah. And I absolutely love it. So he actually works at Universal and he created these little creatures and that just made me love them even more. And they're just so cool and i just really really want one he actually worked a lot on the killer clowns um master tim 
So he's very, very talented guy. I really, really love him. And I'd love to have him on the show at some point to talk about all the cool stuff that he does. Like, yeah. That's my dream. But I really, really want to see these little creatures. I think they look adorable. And that's what I'm the most excited about from Thor Cinema. <laughs> so is that all of the houses that you've done? Have we talked about all of them? Yes, I think that's all of them. Yeah, that is. Okay, so tomorrow, are you going to go and do Stay and Scream? Heck yes. Are you going to do Rose? I'm going to try to, if it's open, for sure. Oh. And then I'll go do Dead Exposure Prop. Oh, I don't know, because going from the sunlight to that, not my favorite. I'll probably just go hit Slaughter Cinema again, since I've already been through that. <laughs> yes. And it sounds like a good time. Okay, Nick, yeah. anything that you want to ask before we wrap it up? Not, no, I don't think there's anything I want to, but there is something that's been going around for the last few days, which looks like it's been addressed, and I think we should mention it, which um, around opening weekend, there was a lot of rumours going around that um, Halloween Horror Nights would be becoming more family friendly. Oh, yeah. Um, and it looks like, I've not I've not actually read um, the the article, but it does look like Universal have come out now and said... There are no truth to those rumors. Yeah. yeah. Would... So, sorry, Amanda. Basically, there was a lot of people complaining in the Halloween Horrors group and in the annual pass holder group, and they're like, "I took my ten-year-old child, <laughs> and she was so scared, and because she was scared, the scare actor was targeting her more, and this isn't acceptable, and she's really scared, and she was crying." And they should make it more family friendly. And no. Like, honestly, I feel like I have been in situations at Halloween Horror Nights in the past where I have cried. Mm -hmm. I've been in situations in the past when I was maybe 14 or 15 years old where, you know, there was... And I've talked about it multiple times in this podcast. I've talked about it in videos. I've talked about it on other people's podcasts where... I've talked about it to James Michael Roddy, who had a hand in making this particular scare zone. And I'm like, I cried so much that a team member had to come and escort me out of the scare zone because it was filled with scarecrows everywhere. And because I was upset and I was scared, their job is to scare. So they're doing a good Mm -hmm. job because I'm clearly terrified. (laughs) So then I'm attracting more of them because their job is to scare me. And they did a good job. If my mom would have gone onto her Facebook group and complained about that, I'd be like, it's your, you took me to that. It's, yeah. if, if it's anybody's fault here, it's your fault. But it's not actually your fault here. I'm the one that's scared of scarecrows and I've willingly gone into the scarecrow scare zone. <laughs> well, I mean, I obviously shared with you a post which got unfortunately taken down from a Halloween Horror Nights group about a woman complaining because their 12-year-old was scared um, yeah. and was being targeted by, I think it was a chainsaw team. or, or she, she mentioned something about chainsaws anyway. Um, and was saying, you know, they should have backed off. And all this. And I was thinking, well, you said that your kid likes horror films and, and whatnot, but that doesn't mean the events for them. And, you know, Universal, I think, did I not say, like, 13, they recommend it for 13 and over? Yeah, and the warning. And it's discretion as well. Like, although it's they re- it's their recommendation that it's mm-hmm. 13 and over, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not like the law. 
Um, and I did see on Twitter today someone spotted somebody with a buggy and a one-year-old baby uh, going Ooh. around as well, <laughs> um, each to their own. I saw service dogs going around last year, so horses for courses. Um, but, you know, you've got to make your judgment on these things. I would not be taking, I can't even tell my wife, to Halloween Horror Nights because she's so scared of it. I wouldn't take my kids to Halloween Horror Nights. If, if the options were, I can go to Halloween Horror Nights with my family, or I can't go to Halloween Horror Nights, I'd have to not go to Halloween Horror Nights because I wouldn't put them through it because they wouldn't have a good time. You've got to be smart about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just I just don't get it. In a way, um, and this was something that somebody else, uh, somewhere else uh, said this, and I, I almost agree, is I wouldn't be adverse to making it an over-21 event. Because one of the things about Halloween Horror Nights is, you know, they sell booze. Well, they sell booze during the day as well, but they sell booze during the event. Um, and obviously you have to be 21 to, to drink. Um, and in some ways that would probably cause a lot less headaches, not for the people who got drunk, obviously. Um, but in terms of, you know, policing things like that and, you know, ID for people and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, and also it would stop that, that kind of situation happening where they're not mature enough for it. I feel like I see this from from two different sides here because I've grown up going to Halloween Horror Nights. So the first year that I went to Halloween Horror Nights, I was 12. Yeah. And I am certainly a huge, huge fan of horror, all different kinds of horror, horror art, horror films, horror events. I am very into it, but I also do get scared. But that's why I want to go there, because I want to be scared. And if you're not scaring me, right? So if I walked into all ten of these houses and I came out not scared, I'd be like, why have I just paid all this money to come to a scary event and I'm not scared? But also, my brother James, who's coming to Horror Nights with me this year, first ever went to Halloween Horror Nights when he was seven years old. So he was seven. He didn't go into any houses but he did the scare zones. And that first year that he went, I think they had a, a Festival of the Dead parade. So it was like a Mardi Gras type parade. That, but was, also... that was 2010, wasn't it? I believe it was. That was that was when I went. I, I, it's just because I, I remember that scare zone. That was my first and Halloween it, Horror Nights. It was, it, I think they'd done it twice. So I don't know oh, where okay. that... I'm trying to think of when it was. So two, um, well, I want to say it was 2004. Hang on. Unless you're... Unless your brother's eighteen, that wouldn't no. mass wouldn't add up. No, yeah. I think it was maybe two thousand and four or two thousand two thousand three or two thousand and four. Yeah. Maybe it was even two yeah two thousand three or two thousand four ish. And so he had fun in the scare zones, and he had fun with the chainsaw gangs. And you know he'd be a little bit scared, but he'd know that this wasn't real. And that's because we'd had that conversation with him beforehand. He went into his first house when he was about 11 years old and he didn't love it. He, it wasn't his favourite thing ever. So this year, you know, he's 21 now and he's either going to really love it or he's going to just think it's okay. He's not going to hate it because he's been there before and he knows that he doesn't hate horror. But 
we had that conversation with him and if we didn't feel that he could kind of deal with the event we never would have taken him and if we felt like it was too much for him while we were there we would never have dreamed of going and complaining to guest services or complaining on a forum or a group we just would have taken him home because it's not the event's fault he just isn't suited to that event yeah that's exactly i i went to hollow scream for my first time like i think i was 12 or 13 i was too scared so we left yeah yeah and you'd never put that on somebody else. Like, I would never put my fear of scarecrows on somebody else. Like, you, this is your fault. Your event is too scary for me. So everybody else needs to suffer now because you made an event that's too scary for me personally. Yeah. No, like, that was their job. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, it, it blows my mind when I see things like this because I just think all of these people that come to this event are coming to be scared and if they weren't scared they would be complaining so (laughs) stemming from this was then other people complaining like okay now i've heard that they're going to make the event family friendly because it's just too scary for people and stranger things is the beginning of this and blah 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 and it's so then that led mike aiello to post quite a few tweets last night this morning to kind of put that rumor to rest and say HHN will never be a quote-unquote family-friendly event it's still going to be scary it's still going to be filled with horror and not every horror film need and I I agree and I retweeted this tweet from him because I was like 100% that is exactly it not every horror film needs to be filled with gore and he pointed out some films like halloween texas chainsaw massacre he mentioned the babadook in there but we'll we'll gloss over the babadook i did not like that no but there's an awful lot of films that have been represented at the event before which are not heavily gore Trick-or-treat. and that's yeah like trick-or-treat is still although it's a soft horror film it's still a horror film the shining is a horror film. You would never say, hey, the Shannon's a family-friendly house. I'm going to bring my kid to it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You don't see an awful lot of anything, really. Halloween is the same. You don't see anything. My my take on this whole thing, anyway, is that I didn't, I, I didn't buy it for a second that they were going to turn it into a more family-friendly event because its core audience go there to be scared. Go there because they like horror. If they don't like that, Mickey's not so scary down the pissing road. Go to that. <laughs> That's what it's there for. And it's very popular. If Universal turned mm. around and was like, we want some of that Mickey Mouse money, they would eliminate so many of their hardcore audience. There'd be yeah. no point having that competition. The reason why I think it works so, so well is because it's the polar opposite. And and sometimes that's yeah. what you need. You need to have the alternative. You know, Disney and Universal are complete different theme parks, and they work for different audiences, and they appeal to people in different ways. I know many people who will never go to Universal because it's not Disney, but I know other people that think Disney's overrated and think Universal's much better, mainly because of Harry Potter. It doesn't matter, but the fact is that the, because it's so different, 
you can have that different kind of experience. You don't want mm-hmm. everything to be the same. Um, on a side note, um, Diz Off Dark's currently uh, going against the grain of Twitter because Disneyland Paris have started selling beer in cans in the park and the Disney Twitter community is absolutely losing its shit over it about how oh, really? terrible it is and you know how they should ban it already. Oh. And I'm like, nah. Not at all. No. You need to have, you know, you do get polar opposites of these things. And that is why Halloween Horror Nights is so successful. If if they weren't doing it, if Universal turned around and went, we're going to become Universal's not-so-scary Halloween event instead of Halloween Horror Nights, SeaWorld would do something. Or Bush Gardens would up their game. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, there is a market for it. The fact that year on year on year it gets bigger and better and more crowded is testament to the fact that there's obviously this huge market that wants to be petrified. That's it. And I feel like a good thing about Halloween Horror Nights too is that although they are horror houses, you tend to have a good mixture of things that will suit all audiences so i am not a massive fan of gore so i don't like things like saw and things like hostel and i spoke about that many times on this podcast before that's not my preferred type of horror i can sit and watch gory horror films and it's fine but i would prefer to watch something like halloween over something like saw and so a lot of the times at the event you'll have the more gory houses but then you'll have the more slasher type houses and then you might have a comedy type horror house and so there's something that will suit everybody's kind of horror niche I think last year and again it's obviously different because I'm not experiencing it this year so I'm seeing it through the eye of Luke and I'll be seeing it through your eyes and man as well <laughs> when you come and talk about it um, after you've come back but <laughs> sorry Luke um, but the, the thing is like last year I think you you've hit You've hit the nail on the head. You had Ash versus Evil Dead, which I thought was a really fun house. Mm-hmm. You know, it was scary and funny and just just really good. And and, and having watched the series now, um, after after going to it again, something else I, I should have done before. Um, but you know, it's good to kind of recognise those things. But it was it was fun to walk through. It was a good experience. Um, on the other end of that, you have Saw house that I didn't really want to go into in the first instance and never wanted to go back in after I came out but that's because that's not what I like in horror like there was nothing about that house I thought you know impressed me well the effects were very impressive um but what I mean is it didn't it didn't entertain me it didn't um I just didn't like it I don't like that type of horror but there are many people that do so for them, you know, I'm sure Saw was one of the, them uh, preferred houses last year. But I much preferred The Shining and American Horror Stories and the, uh, Dead Waters um, and The Hive and Scarecrow. They were more my kind of thing because it wasn't just about gore. It was about the scares. It was about, you know, trying to creep you out but not try and repulse you. Mm-hmm. That's that's why it's good. You get that balance. I don't feel this year 
it, it seems to have had that same kind of balance. Like, what's the fun house this year? I don't think there's really a... It seems to be... I suppose maybe trick or treat. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess, I guess like trick or treat, and I guess like maybe scary tales would have some elements of like fun in there. I guess. Luke. Yeah, I'm. I think Carnival Graveyard was pretty fun to me. That's. Mm-hmm. I can't really. Th- but then I guess you've got Killer Clowns as well for that. So like Killer Clowns yeah. is going to be a fun zone anyway. But I feel like, I honestly really believe that people are just holding on to the Stranger Things. And they're like, well, now now that we've got Stranger Things, and that's like a really relevant pop culture thing, and it's not terrifying. Like, I don't know about these people, but a six-foot-tall Demogorgon popping out at me is freaking scary. Yeah, it is. Like, (laughs) I wouldn't want, like... I am all for, and if I ever choose to have children, I will, when I feel like they're ready, raise them to appreciate all different kinds of films. And if horror is something that they want to watch and I can explain to them that it's not real and they're comfortable with watching it, then that's obviously what I'd want. I'd want them to be into the same kind of things that I'm into. But I wouldn't take a a clearly scared 10-year-old child into a Stranger Things house and say, well, this is family-friendly, so this clearly isn't going to scare you. Because it will. It's going to scare me, and I'm a seasoned horror liker. <laughs> and I think that's that's what the problem is, is that people are looking at Stranger Things and they're like, okay, so now that we have this, it's going to be all kinds of sunshine and glitter next year, and we're not going to have anything scary. Like, come on, be real. Yeah, and no. I've heard like quite a few people too. Like the majority of people that I've heard talk about this year so far have said either it's the best horror nights that they've been to in a very long time, it's the best horror nights that they've ever been to, or that they are having difficulty choosing what their favourite house is because every house is so strong. I've heard a few tiny minority of people saying oh, maybe, like, this event just isn't for me anymore. Like, they're clearly going in a different direction. This direction's not for me. And I feel like that is because, one, you maybe only came to the event for Bill and Ted, and Bill and Ted's gone now. <laughs> and, sorry, but that's... It's not It's not, It's not. not going back this, this year or next year. It's not going back for the foreseeable future. It's gone. Or you just don't like horror in general. Because... Nothing else has changed. We have Poltergeist, which is one of the biggest horror films of all time. We have Stranger Things, which is the most relevant horror franchise right now. We have Trick or Treat, which, going off the back of last year, is very, very popular. We've got Killer Clowns, which is a cult icon of a film. Blumhouse. Yeah, and the and the cult of Chucky. There you go. Exactly. Like we have some of the strongest <laughs> IPs plus some fantastic originals, and I don't know what the problem is other than you just don't like horror. You just like Bill and Ted. Universal. That's all that I can put it down to. Universal Halloween Horror Nights. We have some of the strongest IPs, and Halloween Four. Um, the thing <laughs> I like Halloween Four. No, I know. Yeah, I'm do. excited. I know you do, but I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying like. You know, I think people that have watched it, um, you know, have a fondness for the film. I think most people tapped out at Halloween 2 or 3. 
especially maybe, for but him. I feel like the good the good thing about Halloween and. I could probably relate this to to something like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street is regardless of which one that you do for the most part people who aren't massive horror fans will walk into that house and just be like okay I know that's Michael Myers and I know that he's really scary and I know this is a Halloween house they don't need to have seen Halloween for to be able to appreciate it and be scared by it and that's that's a good thing yeah 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 no I, I I agree with that point totally um, I think sometimes as well, you just grow out of things. I'm somebody who, I'm 35 years old. I've been watching wrestling since I was about six. And I go through fits and starts of wrestling. Like I, I spent about four years where I didn't watch it at all. And I watch wrestling now, but I don't watch it anywhere near like I did 10 years ago. I dip in and out. I keep up to date with what's going on and I watch the odd event here and there, but I don't follow it like I used to. And that's because my tastes have changed. I don't have as much spare time anymore, mainly because I do about 20,000 podcasts. Um, But I've got a family. (laughs) Uh, You know, my wife doesn't like watching it, so I'll watch it independently and stuff like that. You do sometimes just grow out of what you enjoy. There could be a time, Amanda, in, you know, five, ten years' time, where you turn around and say, this event's not for me. And it's probably not because it's changed, it's that you've changed. It's, that's it. And that's the point exactly. And that's this is, in general, people who are saying that the event's changed and people who are saying that it's too scary for the ten-year-olds and they're putting the blame on the event. The blame isn't with the event. The event hasn't done anything wrong. The event hasn't changed drastically in any way it's most likely time to look at yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's And maybe it. it could be like, you just aren't into any of the properties that we've got this year. And that is absolutely fine. There's next year. Give next year a shot. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is like, I've, I've got to say, that, you know, when I announced stranger things, I thought, Jesus, why did we go last year and not this year? And I know we're obviously planning to go back next year and stranger things has got to be a shoe in, to be back next year uh, as it's returning IP. Um, but the other IPs didn't really interest me. And the originals this year haven't, other than um, uh, Stalter Cinema, um, haven't really uh, sounded that appealing to me. I'm sure they're all great. But sometimes you will look at the lineup and think, mm, yeah, that I like, not so much that. You know, it changes, but I bet you'll still have a blast. That's it. And in my experience, the times where I've looked at the lineup and thought, mm, doesn't look like it's my favourite group of things, are the times when I've had the best time. Like, literally, you don't know until you get there. And if you get there and you're still like, okay, I maybe preferred last year over this year, that's fine too. Maybe you'll enjoy next year more than you've enjoyed this year. People aren't always going to love it in the same kind of way. But quickly before we go, Luke, I don't want to hear much about Academy of Villains because that and what inside of the houses are what I'm trying to keep a surprise when I get there because I adore Academy of Villains and I feel like I get offended personally when people are like, oh, well, you know, Academy of Villains just isn't 
like it's just not as good as Bill and Ted. That you can't do that. You can't compare them. Yeah. You can say Academy of Villains just isn't for you. That's fine. It's not everybody's type favorite type of entertainment. I really, really love Bill and Ted. I've loved Bill and Ted for a very, very long time. However, I also super love Academy of Villains. And I'm very excited to see what they're going to bring to this new stage. I'm excited to see how they're going to utilize all of this new space and these new props and this new time that they have. Because from what I'm hearing, this is the Academy of Villains that we were always supposed to see. So we've only ever seen a kind of raw last minute academy of villains due to the hurricanes this is them in their full glory and i'm so excited to see them so that's why i, I haven't asked you anything about it it's not because i hate them it's because i love them dearly. <laughs> but how has bill and ted going changed the event this year if it even has at all i could not tell you if it has or not by bill and ted i i really don't know but by the time we got there to Academy of Villains, their show was definitely full. So I don't think it has a big impact unless, you know, it was the last showing after 26 years. And, yeah, they got a rest band. But, yeah. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, I think it's just the same crowd levels. And that's kind of what I was expecting. Like, I know that everybody loved Bill and Ted. And it's very, very sad when anything goes and, you know, we had Jason Perry, who plays Ted, on shortly after um, they'd wrapped for the last Bill and Ted show. And it was it was very, very nice to hear the things he had to say and talk about his memories. And if you haven't listened to the episode already, please go back and listen to it because it was a fantastic episode. One of my all time favorites. And as much as I love Bill and Ted and I can appreciate that they meant a lot to a lot of people, I feel like the people who won't give Academy of Villains a chance or the same kind of people who are saying that this event isn't for them this year. I I think it will be interesting how the crowd levels carry on during the season because I, I think the, the, the thing about having a show at Halloween Horror Nights and I was there the year that they had Brian Brushwood um, do his, his kind of like illusion shows as well. Mm-hmm. As Bill and Ted, and they were great because you know, my wife didn't want to go in the houses. You know, she went through one; that was enough for her. She couldn't handle it. So we had the scare zones, and we had two shows to go and see. So two things that we could go and do. And actually, he had two different shows, so technically it was three shows. Um, <laughs> but you know, there was stuff for us to do. I think it's always important for them to do something like a show, like like Bill and Ted, or like Academy of Villains, because it gives those people that are dragged to these events that don't want to be there something to do that they can enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure if it's going to have the consistent appeal that Bill and Ted did. Because it's a very different type of show. You're talking about mm-hmm. a pop culture show that had song and dance numbers in it to... Um, to a, a straight up dance crew dancing, and I've seen a lot of people already kind of like dismiss it and think it wasn't as good as what they've done previously. Um, maybe that the arena they're in is too big for what they actually do. Um, 
And I've also seen people say like you know it's the the best that they've seen them do. So I think it is more polarizing than even Bill and Ted was. And so I think it'll be interesting to see what the crowd levels are like as this event goes on. How many people are going to go back and watch it again and again? Bill and Ted last year was an anomaly because it was the last one. So mm-hmm. I think people that may have only gone to see it once or twice during the season probably went and saw it multiple times because it was the last one. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see if you do get people going back a second time, a third time to see if they've seen it once. I mean, I will be one of those people. Of course you will. Because I, as somebody who I'm not massively into dancing and I've never been into anything like that really. So when I first ever heard that Academy of Villains was coming to Horror Nights, I was like, oh, what? And then I watched some of the stuff and I was like, okay, they're really, really good, but it's just, it's not my kind of thing. I don't know how it's going to fit into Horror Nights. I was one of those people. And when I saw them that very first night, I was like, holy shit, these are actually incredible. Like, I love everything about them. And I want these to be back every single year forever. Like, I adore them. And then when they came back last year, my love for them grew even more. And I am totally, totally in love with Academy of Villains. I think they're fantastic. And I'll never hear a bad word said about them. So don't try and slag them off in front of me because I won't have it. Now, Mm -hmm. I will get you in a headlock. They don't don't smell (laughs) a poo. I'm sure they don't. I think they're fantastic at what they do. And I think what's important to remember is no amount of slagging the show off is going to bring Bill and Ted back anyway. So you doing that, one, I don't ever agree with anyone kind of bad-mouthing someone's creativity or something that someone's worked really hard for. So regardless of whether you think it's your cup of tea or not, I would never agree with somebody bashing something that someone's put so much hard work and effort into. I think that's wrong, and I think it's nasty and mean, and I don't like that anyway. But to do it in a way that's like, okay, I don't like these because I want Bill and Ted back. You're not going to get Bill and Ted back by saying that. You're not going to get it back anyway because it's it's no. beyond anyone's decision in that regard. It's not a universal property. Uh, I mean, Jason went through this in in some detail. Um, but, you know, it, it's never been a universal property. They didn't make either of the films. They're not involved at this moment in time in the making of the if we will ever see it, third Bill and Ted film that they're making. So they have to have that under license, just like Beetlejuice, just like Ghostbusters, um, you know, beforehand. So it's up to Universal and the rights holders if they ever want it to come back. And, you know, they could have every single person that goes to Halloween Horror Nights turn around and say, we want Bill and Ted back. Like, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I still think they could have done something else. Um, if they wanted to do a, a pop culture show, they could have done something like that. I think the format works really well. I love Bill and Ted. Um, I love those shows. But if they and we talked about it last year when we were trying to speculate as to what what could happen, if they did, um, you know, David S. Pumpkins pop culture spectacular, you know. It'd have been the same show, in essence, just with a different host. That's um, it, and I do honestly feel like something like that is what will come in the future. And also, as well, like one thing they do own, 
other than David S. Pumpkins, from the same show, they own Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. That's a universal, well, it's an NBC property. Um, but, you know, they have access to that. If they wanted to, why would they not do, like, Saturday Night Live Presents, you know, a year in review, whatever they want to call it. Like, there's yeah. so many different things they could do if they wanted to do that kind of show. Um, so, Bill and Ted's gone. Like, it ain't coming back. But, you might get something one day that replaces it that's in a similar kind of fashion. We were exactly. lucky. And I think, yeah, like we were lucky to have it for a long time, but I mm. also think that we're lucky this year without having been to the event yet, seeing the fact that we have a mini Chucky stage show. Mm-hmm. Then we have a a dance stage show in Vamp 85, mm. which from what I've seen, and Luke, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is just going on and on and on all night. Yeah, just about. So you have that, you have that dancey, fun element. Like, I feel like the scare zones this year for, well, Vamp 85 and with Chucky anyway, are miniature shows in their own right. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we don't have something to flat out replace Bill and Ted this year, but I do feel like that's something that we'll have in the future. And I feel like just don't bash Academy of Villains. They're fantastic at what they do. They bring in a good crowd because they're very, very good performers. And that's out of every single thing that's at Halloween Horror Nights this year. And as someone who is incredibly into horror and does love all of the IPs that are going to be featured this year, Academy of Villains is number one on my hype list out of everything because I, I very, very much love them. So don't say bad things about them, okay? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> or Amanda will put you in a headlock. Yes. Even if I stand <laughs> on some ladders, I will put you in a headlock and take you to watch them with me and you'll see how fantastic they are. Just give them a chance and watch them because you will enjoy it. Take a Especially chance on them. Yeah. Um, this, okay. This is an ad-free podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. This I am is, so sorry. I may not own this podcast anymore, but man, I'm putting my foot down. That is the last <laughs> ABBA we're having on this podcast for the foreseeable future. I mean, like, what if Chance comes back again? Then we need to do some clues with ABBA. That's what we did last time. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, there's, there's If ABBA ever comes rules. back, you know Chance is back. <laughs> Look, it, you know, the only other way... Uh, is if they announce next year that um, Academy of Villains is being oh. replaced by Mamma Mia, the live pop culture <laughs> oh, spectacular. Please, no. <laughs> oh, God. On that note, <laughs> we're going to wrap this up. So I'm going to be away for the next three weeks. And what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to something really, really exciting in the first week that I'm there, which I, I haven't announced on the podcast yet. Nick, I've told you about it. Luke, you're coming with me, so you know what it is. So I'm going to oh, try to record oh, right. that if I can and post that out as an episode. If I can't record that, then I have bought a little microphone that me and Luke and James and Ashton and maybe Steve too, we're all going to take it in turns to use this microphone at the event so that we can do some Craig and Nick-style episodes. Beautiful. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. So I'm not going to take the burden myself because I scream a lot and it'll just be covered with my screams. So if we take it in turns, then we'll, I feel like we'll get a better overview of our time at the event. So I will be sending that backwards so that 
not backwards. I will send that back down here so that Luke, so that Nick can edit it for me if he would be so kind. And for that hour's episode, and we will try and do some other stuff while we're away so that we don't have to go three weeks without hearing from each other. There will be content. Hopefully, it's going to be content that's led by Amanda. But if it means uh, me and Craig recording something, there'll be something. There will be yeah. something. Do not worry. Like, just the best thing to do, as we've said many, many times before, is subscribe. Because if you subscribe, like, the, I think our biggest problem, Amanda, is that we can be a bit unreliable as to when we release the episodes. Yeah. Generally, it's it's weekly, but it may not be the same day. So if you subscribe to us every time we release a brand new episode, it will be there waiting for you. Just like Richard Marks. In fact, maybe that's what Richard Marks was singing about. He was right here waiting for you to release a new episode of Universal After Dark. So if you subscribe, that episode will be waiting for you. It will either subscribe, uh, download automatically if you've got it set up that way, or it will alert you there's a brand new episode. Download it, listen to it at your convenience. But subscribe. It costs you nothing, and you'll get the new episodes as soon as we release them. Agreed. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, on that note, we will see you guys on the next episode. Bye. Goodbye. Ciao. Hello there, dear listener. Now, have you ever listened to a podcast and thought, oh, I'd really like to support those guys, but I just don't know how to do it? <laughs> well, then you're in luck. There are now two ways for you to be able to support us. The first is by going to our Spreadshirt page at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash After Dark Network. Here you can pick up t-shirts for all of the podcasts that we do. The other way is by visiting us at patreon.com forward slash disafterdark. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash disafterdark. Any money raised by buying some merchandise or pledging your support on Patreon means that we can keep producing more content for the Afterdark Network. On behalf of the other Afterdark Podcast Network hosts, we thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and thank you for your continued support. Dark Podcast Network.